This is KMTT. The week begins this uh, winter, Tavshin Ayn, with a shiur by Harav Benjamin Tavori, a series, weekly series, on uh, modern responsa of the 20th century, more or less, both the individual and the and the topic. Harav Benjamin Tavori. This week we will discuss the Sefer of Sheilot Tshuvot Binyan Av, authored by Rav Eliyahu Bakshi Doron, the Rishon Letzion of Medinat Yisrael. Rav Bakshi Doron was born in Yerushalayim in 1941, received traditional religious Zionist education in Yerushalayim. He went to a school called Beit Sefer Dugma, continued in Yeshivat Hadarom in Rechovot. At that time, uh, Rav Amital was uh, involved with Yeshivat Hadarom with his father-in-law the, for the chief rabbi of Rechovot, Rav Tzvi Yudah Meltzer. After finishing at Yeshivat Hadarom, Rav Bakshi returned to Yerushalayim and learned in Hebron. In Hebron, he was known as an outstanding Tamit Chacham. Later on, in Yerushalayim, he joined the Kolel of Mossad HaRav Kuk. The Mossad HaRav Kuk had a, a special Kolel where Shiurim were given by Rav Jolti, the former chief rabbi of Yerushalayim. The fellows in that Kolel today, almost one by one, are well known in Israel. At that time, they published a Sefer every year of Chidushim of the Mesechet that they learned, published by Mossad of Kuk. And many of those people, of the young uh, students at, uh, the, at the Kolel, used to give Shiurim at the Kinus Teresh in Mossad of Kuk every year. Rabakshi had written many articles in those that Sidravs Farim called Beis Talmud, and he also spoke at the Knesset uh, a number of times. As a young man, he was appointed to be a Rav in Batyam. He wasn't even 30 years old when he became the Ra- a Rav in Batyam. Two years later, in 1972, he became the Rav of Batyam. To my mind, that seems like a very young age to be the Rav of a city, 31 years old, already the Svaidi chief Rav of Batyam. In 1975, again, Yachasid, quite young, he moved to Haifa and became the Sephardi chief rabbi of Haifa, and he served there in Haifa for 18 years, from 1975 to 1993. In 1993, he was appointed as Rishon Letzion, Harav Rashi Asfaradi Lemdinat Yisrael. He stayed in that position for the full term of 10 years. Today he is involved in Kolalim, in Shiurim, and he is still um, obviously very active in the Torah world, and he continues writing Sfarim. He began writing the Sidra of Sfarim Binyan Av also at a very young age. Today there are a number, a number of volumes of the Shailot, of his Shailot Chuvot. And he also has a number of svarim about uh, 
what we call today in Yanei Diyama, general Sichot and Shirim that he gave at the time. As is our custom, we will not discuss his uh, political views or the issues that uh, surrounded his Rabbanut. Rather, we will deal with the tshuvos that he wrote. One of the interesting tshuvos that became interesting as communication and growth developed was a tshuva that was written in Binyan binya, in Av, in Chelek Dalid, regarding saying Tfilas HaDerech in Israel at the present time. Someone had sent Rav Bakshi his own ideas about Tfilas HaDerech, and he asked Rav Bakshi to comment. He wrote quite an extensive tshuva explaining the issues of Tfilat HaDerech in general, and the practical application of the question. The person that wrote to him quoted the Mishnah Brura as saying that if someone travels <coughs> on, a, on, a, on, a, on a highway, which even could be an interstate highway, but there are yeshuvim, there are built-up communities within two parsaot, and in his estimation, two parsaot was 7.7 kilometers which is, uh, let's say, approximately five miles in a straight line. In such a case, since you do not really pass the Yishuv, the Mishnabura is mistapeik. He is not clear whether one should say Tfilas HaDerech with a bracha. So, they asked Rav Bakshi what he thought. He, Of course, he quotes the sources in the, in the Shulchan Aruch and the Mishnabura, but he begins to discuss the very crucial issue of what is Tfilas HaDerech at all. On one hand, I think many people are of the opinion that it's dangerous to travel. Car travel, other type of travel, is also somewhat dangerous. And therefore, it's appropriate to make a Tfilah Tfilat HaDerech. But it seems fairly clear that Sakana is not the only criteria for Tfilas HaDerech. For example, if a person would cross a very, very dangerous intersection in a major city, for some reason, let's say the lights are out, it's difficult, it's dark, whatever it is, and it's a, a place which is unfortunately has known many accidents in the past, would somebody really entertain the possibility that a person should make Tfilas HaDerech because you cross the street? In order to be discussed Tfilas HaDerech, you have to have a derech. There has to be some sort of a, a traveled road. Now, Rav Bakshi does quote a sefer, to be honest, that I'd never heard of before, Sheilotu Tshivot Divrei Yisrael, from someone he calls Hagri Wolf, who really discusses if a person travels a parsa. Now, we said a parsa is already a, a, a trip. It's not crossing the street. But a parsa, according to his figuring, is three and a half, three point eight five uh, kilometers. If a person would go that much distance within a city, would you make Tfil Saderech? And this Ravolf discusses the issue of is there really a sakana in such a case? Because when you do travel in a city, there's police force available, there's a help nece- uh, 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 available. 
So he said because of that, he doesn't think you should make a Tfesaderech with a bracha. But Rav Bakshi said, I don't need the argument that there's police or whatever help necessary available. Simply there's no derech. In order to have tvilas haderech, you have to have a derech. And that's apparently the reason of the Mishnah Bura, that once there are yeshuvim on the way, it could be that you could say the sakana is not a, 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 a problematic, because people could help you. But the question is, would there be considered a derech? And then, Rav Bakshi goes to discuss the issue itself of what do you say Tfilas HaDerech for? What is the real idea of Tfilas HaDerech? And he quotes the Gemara in Brachas, till continuing to Daflamit, that the Gemara mentions, Kishata Yotzei LaDerech the literal translation would be when you go on a, a trip you should consult your maker and then go. And the Gemara says what does that mean? What would that mean? It's referring to So it seems that was not essentially made just because of Sakana. But it seems as if you're asking permission from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or asking the help of the Shekhinah when a person goes on a trip. Consult your maker. And therefore, it seems that when you leave, when you're about to leave, or in the beginning of your departure, it would be appropriate to make the bracha. Rashi there says, you make the bracha ad parsa. Now, different Mishonim argue what the, the phrase Ad Parsa means. Some people think that it means as long as there's a Parsa left till the next city, till the next place to which you're going, to your destination, then you can make the Tfilas HaDerech. Rashi seems to say that you can only make the Bracha the first Parsa. If you forgot to make the Bracha within the first Parsa of leaving the city, as we said, that's approximately three point eight five kilometers, then you could not make the bracha afterwards. The Rashi asked the question. I don't understand. The danger is still there. Let's say you go on a trip of I don't know, a hundred kilometers. So you forgot the first ten kilometers you forgot to make the bracha, but continuing another ninety kilometers. Now the Sakana is in the, certainly uh, there in the next 90 kilometers. So why shouldn't you make the bracha? The Rav Bakshi Daron explained the opinion of Rashi is that it's as if you're asking permission to leave. Once you did leave, then there's no point in asking permission anymore. It's as if and the word that Rav Salavechik used to use, Tfilas HaDerech is a matir of going on the road. But once you went on the road, once you left the city, then you lost your matir, and you can't make the Tfilah anymore. Rabbeinu Yonah asked a different question. Rabbeinu Yonah asked against Rashi. Rashi said that you can only make the bracha toch parsa, once you're within the parsa of the original city, he said, I don't understand. Why should that be different than tefillin? Or tzitzis? 
we know that you should make a bracha over la'asiyatan. should make a bracha before you do the mitzvah. And the Rambam's opinion is that if a person forgot to make the bracha before he did the mitzvah, and then he did the mitzvah, he cannot make the bracha again. Once the mitzvah was done, it was done. Uh, for example, let's assume that shechita, the bracha on shechita is a birchas mitzvah, an assumption that could be debated. But if we would assume that, that shechita is a birchas mitzvah, if a person shechted an animal <coughs> without a bracha, so the shechita is kasher, but he cannot make the bracha anymore, according to the Rambam, because the bracha has to be made over lasiyasa. However, the Rambam in Hilchas Brachas Parakud Aleph explains there are exceptions to this rule. If a mitzvah is ongoing, a mitzvah was comp- not completed, but it continues, then you can make the bracha actually, in one sense you call it after you did the mitzvah, but in the other sense it's before you did the mitzvah. You see, after you did shechita, once you finish the shechita, the shechita is finished. But let's say you put on tzitzis. So, you really should make the bracha before you put on the tzitzis. But, you're going to wear those tzitzis, let's say, all day. So, if the first 20 minutes you forgot to make the bracha, but later on, in a sense, it's after you originally did the mitzvah, but in another sense, it's before you did the mitzvah. The rest of the day, you're doing a mitzvah. And the same thing would be true with tefillin. If a person put on tefillin without a bracha, so if he took off his tefillin, of course you cannot make a bracha. But one, according to the Rambam, but if you continue wearing your tefillin, you can continue making, you can make the bracha because it's still, in a sense, over lasiyatan to the rest of the day that you're wearing your tefillin. So the, so Rabbeinu Yonah asked, if a person's on a long trip and you're supposed to say tefillah saderech, so I understand that you're supposed to make the bracha before, before, on the beginning of the departure. But if you didn't, since it's a long trip, why can't it be considered as if it's considered over lasiyatan for the rest of the trip? The comparison of Rabbeinu Yonah is a little interesting because he discussing birchas mitzvah and compares Tfilah Saderech to Birchas HaMitzvah. Now, Tfilah Saderech does not seem to be a Birchas HaMitzvah at all. Tfilah Saderech is a Birchas HaShemach Vodah. It's a Tfilah that you, that you say. It's not a Ovel HaSiyasan. It doesn't have to be Ovel HaSiyasan, but nevertheless, the, the Rabbeinu Yonah thought that there's a similar common denominator to both issues. You're supposed to make the Bracha before you go in the Derech similarly to the fact that you're supposed to make the bracha before you do the mitzvah. But since the mitzvah is ongoing, he brought a comparison that the, tfil- the derech is ongoing, and therefore he felt you, made, you should make a bracha the entire time until you're within a parasa of your, of your destination. But Rabakshi explained, the opinion of Rashi would be, no, the, the, the bracha is made on leaving the city. And once you've left the city, you can no longer make the bracha. He also points out that tefillah saderech is actually a tefillah and not a bakasha. There is certain, or there are certain problems involved in any time a person takes a journey. Rav Bakshi points out to both the physical and spiritual danger involved when a person leaves his community separates himself from his milieu, from his own culture, from his own society. 
Of course, we remember the Rashi, Rav Bakshi pointed to the Rashi in the beginning of Lech Lecha, where Rashi says to Avram, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Avram, that you'll have a bracha, and Rashi points out, because the derech mema'etas kamatvarim, when a person travels, there are inherent types of losses found in traveling. And therefore, Avram was received the bracha that these problems would not apply to him. These might be the reasons for Tfilas HaDerech. And there, therefore, if you discuss Tfilas HaDerech A as a derech, but a derech with Sakana, then a person really could question if a person travels on a road where there is help available, where there is Yishuvim within a short distance, perhaps there is no real reason that you should or could make Tzvila Sadarach with a bracha. After the serious discussion of the pros and cons and the issues, Rabakshi comes to the conclusion, since we pass in Safik Brachas Lahakel, when in doubt a person should not make a bracha, he said in main intercity highways in Eretz Israel today, you should not make a bracha. Firstly, there's no great sakana. And I don't know if it's considered today hayotze laderech. A person who, let's say, travels from Tel Aviv to Yerushalayim. So since so many people do it all the time and the roads are filled with people and there, there are yeshuvim built up in the entire way, so he says it's a suffolk and he thinks it's best to say tefillah saderech without a bracha. He adds a chapter that I, the idea of saying without a bracha is not so simple. It's rather problematic to make a bracha without Shemu Malchus. But nevertheless, he reaches the conclusion that as long as there is a Safek, I paskin that Safek bracha is lahakel, and you should not say Tfilah with a bracha. Many, many years ago, I vaguely remember that I heard that Rav Salavechik said that when he would drive from Boston to New York, he would not say with a bracha. My assumption is for the same reasons that Rav Bakshi wrote in his tshuva. But one time it happened that I had to go from New York to Boston by car, and on the way getting into the car at Yeshiva University, I happened to bump into Rav Salavechik. I was a little flustered by what to say to him as I was getting into the car, and the first thing I thought of was, I said, Rabbi, I'm traveling now to Boston. Should I say Tfilas HaDerech? And he answered me simply, of course you should say Tfilas HaDerech. It's a long trip. So it could be that in a shir, Rav Salavechik once discussed the issue, and perhaps he did uh, suggest that it would be problematic making a bracha. Personally, to me, he said that you should make a bracha on a trip from New York to Boston. When we discuss Tfilas HaDerech, it's always interesting to, to remember the unusual psak of the Ruggachever, of Yosef Rosen, who also wrote Shuvas in the 20th century. He was asked about traveling by airplane, if one should say Tfilas HaDerech. He, with his typical Bekiyus, he quoted Psukim and Gemaris, that a derech is considered Bayam Ubayabasha, on land and by on sea. But in the air, he said, halachically, it's not called derech. 
Hanosin bayam derech. There can be a derech in 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 the, in the land, but in the air, it's not called a derech. So he really said, on an airplane, you do not say tefes the derech at all. I think that uh, most people disagreed with this uh, blitz of the Ragachavar and said, uh, you don't need the halachic word derech to be defined by uh, Tanakh and Gemara. What we would consider an unusual derech, something that people travel on, and certainly there is an element of danger involved, so certainly we would pass and that's called a derech. And it seems to me that most people do make tefilas a derech on air flight. One could always argue and say we have a combination. Generally, when you go to an airport, you have to travel quite a distance to get to the airport. Let's say I live in Gush Etzion, and you have to travel to Ben Gurion Airport. Some say you can make tefilas a derech already. Rabbi Bakshi probably would not agree, but maybe you could argue that in the roads in Yudav Shamran it's a little different. The Yishuvim are not so well built up uh, all the time. Whatever the case may be, some people would say you can make it first a derech on the road, even before you get to the airplane. But I don't think the psak of the Ragachavar was well accepted. Another tshuva that I'd like to discuss of Rav Bakshi Doran was a question that in one hand is known in the world of Lamdas as an important sugya, but I really don't know if this tshuva had ever been asked or discussed until the 20th century. And the question refers to conversion, gerus, of minors, ktinim, children below the age of bar mitzvah who were converted. And then, the case that happened that was brought to Rabbi Bakshi Daron was a ram, a person who was teaching a rebbe of a certain student in his class, probably explained the halacha that a child who converts with <coughs> before his before his bar mitzvah has the option of opting out, and he, he can say, I, "I'm not interested in becoming Jewish," in which case he's not at, considered at all Jewish. Now, the case that happened, apparently at the age of 15, this fellow either found out the halacha or found out that he was converted. And he said, I'm not interested. And therefore, the yes, Rav Bakshi Doron, first the boy spoke to his Rav. And then the Rav consulted Rav Bakshi and asked him what would be the din in such a case. This child converted to Judaism. The case involved specifically was the mother converted together with the child. And then the question was asked, what would happen if he opts out? In order to go through this tshuva, one has to really study carefully the sugya in Ksubis Daf And I believe a, a very important exposition of the sugya was written here in this tshuva in Chelek Dalid of Binyan Av, where the Gemara says that there is a concept of converting children. And the Gemara says, it's a zchus. It's a zchus for a child to enter the covenant of Torah mitzvahs. But then the Gemara says, if the child <coughs> reaches maturity, you could protest. However, there's a caveat. The, it's a one-time opportunity. The moment the child reaches the age of mitzvahs, 
he has the right of opting out or the right of continuing. If he opts out, then he's not Jewish at all. If he continues, he's Jewish. But he cannot, a year or two later, or whatever later, he cannot opt out then. It's a one-time opportunity. So, this case is a little complicated because the boy opted out at the age of 15. Before we discuss the tshuva in more detail, it's important to point out that the Gemara just said you could opt out. Is that in all cases? You see, there are different cases where the child has been converted as a minor. One case could be if the father converts him. One would be if the mother brings him to convert. Or another case could be when both parents bring him to convert. The whole family converted together. There could be another case where Bestin has taken a child, perhaps they found him, perhaps he was delivered to someone's doorstep and they know he's not Jewish, and Bezdin converts him. In all those cases, could the child opt out? From the Gemara, there's no clear proof to which case we're talking about. The Gemara just says, Ger katan A minor child can be converted by Bezdin. Rashi says, if his mother brought him to convert, others could say if his father brought him to convert, there could be all kinds of permutations here. Rabakshi quotes a Chassam Sofer, a very important tshuva of the Chassam Sofer, that says that if the parents converted with the child, then it's an absolute zuchus for the child. If the parents did not convert, but the child converted as it were by himself, then the zuchut is rather questionable, and therefore, at the age of our mitzvah, the child would have the right to opt out. But since the entire family would convert, then it's an objective schus, and no opting out would be possible. Although the Shulchan Aruch did not rule that way, you people have claimed this is the opinion of the Rif and the Rambam as well. You see, the Rambam has the halacha of Ger Katan in two different places. In Hilchos Surebia, the Rambam discusses the fact that a child can be converted with his family. In Hilchos Malachim, the Ram discusses the, the vision of Judaism for non-Jews in general, and discusses the fact that Bethlehem can convert Goyim. But the Halacha, that one can opt out, was not mentioned by the Rambam in Hilchos Surebia. It was only mentioned in Hilchos Malachim. And some people have posited and this is found in many achronim who discuss this sugya, that the Rambam in Hilchasi Surya is referring to a case where the family converts, where the parents bring him to convert. In which case the Ram did not quote the halacha that the child can opt out. However, in Hilchas Malachim, the Ram is referring to the fact that Bezdin was Megayer, the child, in which case the Ram did quote the halacha. So if that would be true, the whole question here is not relevant. The child can simply not out, not opt out. But let's assume we are going to continue the argument even with the understanding that perhaps a child could opt out. But that's only if he did not accept Torah mitzvahs at the age of 13. In this case, the child did accept Torah mitzvahs at the age of 13. He continued learning in religious education, being part of a religious household. However, the question here would be, he did continue keeping Torah mitzvahs, but he was unaware of the situation. 
either he didn't know he was converted or he didn't know that he could opt out. So, would that be considered as a Kabbalah Batos? Would that be considered that it's true he accepted our mitzvahs, but since there was a mistake involved, he, it would not be, uh, it would not hurt his chances, as it were, of opting out. <coughs> Rav Bakshi quotes two chuvas of the 20th century, the Manchester Rav Minchas Yitzchak and Rav Moshe Feinstein, who both raised the issue that if the child did not know that he was converted, he could be molcha at the moment he knows. Rav, Rav Moshe brought a raya from the Gemara, discussed the raya, explained the pros and cons, the Minchas Yitzchak also discussed the issue. But uh, Rav Bakshi brought another source, an earlier source that neither one had quoted, the Marshal in Yamshel Shlomo, said clearly, the only time that they have a one-shot time of opting out is if they knew they were converted. The Yamshel Shlomo says he, the fact that he accepted Torah mitzvahs is irrelevant. It's only if he accepted Torah mitzvahs of his own volition, knowing that he was converted. So, Rav Bakshi, in, in a bottom, bottom line here, says that we cannot ignore the opinion of the Chassam Sofer. So therefore, Luchumra, we would have to say that this child has to keep Torah mitzvahs. On the other hand, since there is an opinion that he could opt out, perhaps we would be involved here in a suffolk and we'd have to go to Chumrah and say he has all the laws of being Jewish and non-Jewish at the same time. But in another argument, Rav Bakshi said, a very clever argument in my opinion, that normally the macha would be, a child would protest because now he has the option of becoming or continuing his life as a non-Jew. But since, in our case, we no matter what happens, we would not pass in this way, because we would have to be choshesh for the opinion of the Chassam Sofer in any way, in any case. And therefore, Luchumra, we're going to tell the child, you do have to keep Torah mitzvahs. What benefit would he have from the Macha in such a case? He would only lose. He couldn't marry anyone. He would be stuck in all kinds of issues. So therefore, Rabakshi said, perhaps his macha is not valid at all. Because it would be a macha betos. <coughs> he protested with the assumption that he could really opt out, but since he really cannot opt out, because Lechimra, we're going to tell me, has to keep Torah mitzvahs, so the macha is, seems to be betos and not valid at all. Again, in the bottom line, Rav Bakshi suggests that we tell the child he's Jewish, he's chayv in Torah mitzvahs, but to solve all issues that might raise, that may occur in the future, it would be best to have a quasi gerus. He explained why you don't need mila, because the mila was done l'shem gerus, but nevertheless it would be proper to have tvila before three people, and to have a full acceptance of Torah mitzvahs. And Rabakshi felt this was obviously best for the child, because otherwise he'd be split in two worlds. So, as I said, the sugya in Ksubis 
is a sugi that has been learned and discussed and much, much written about. I really wonder if any, any time in the history of the Jewish people, a child has really tried to opt out. In this particular case, in our generation, we saw the case happening and Rabakshi's psak that the macha really, really was not effective in this particular case.